Hi, all. Nice to be here. Hello, hello. <laughs> we're not landed gentry, but we're thrilled to recap with the same energy. Thank you for joining us. This is Cheers McQueers. It is an Our Flag Means Death recap podcast. I'm Alexa, they, them. I'm Catherine, she, her. We'll be taking you on the open seas as we recap each episode of Our Flag Means Death season one. I'm sure we'll do season two because it's a coming. And at the end of every episode, there will be an original song from the perspective of a character written by us, hoping to get those streamed separately for all of you at some point in the future. (laughs) (laughs) So without further ado, cheers, Catherine. Cheers, Lex. With my tiny little bit of coffee left. Um, This is my fourth cup of the day, so (laughs) buckle up. (laughs) This is only my first one, but you know me. I, like, can't drink coffee without feeling like I'm on crack, so. Well, it's fine. fine. I can't not drink coffee and function, so. (laughs) We're in the opposite ends of the spectrum. I know. Season one, episode one. The pilot, directed by Taika Waititi and written by David Jenkins, who's also the showrunner. We open with like an intro card setting the time frame we're in, 1717, Golden Age Piracy. Wealthy landowner Steed Bonnet set out to find adventure and renown on the high seas. Things did not go as planned. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? You don't say. We kind of start to hear some kind of strings plucked instrument. It is the character Frenchie, played by Joel Fry. You might know him from Game of Thrones. And he's singing a little ditty, a little pirate ditty. I think it's like the perfect introduction because it's the soundtrack we need to just take in this crew for the first time. Mm -hmm. Because the sweep they do over them, you're like, what are we looking at? You know? Yeah. I know I gushed about this show to you before you watched it, but I kind of watched it with like very little information about the show. I just kind of knew, I just kind of knew that Reese Darby was in it. I knew that Taika Waititi was in it and I didn't really know much else. I just knew pirates and them. And I was like, all right, let's try this out. Like I wasn't even at home. I was in Texas and I watched it on an iPad for the first time. So I mean, obviously you're the one who pushed me to finally like watch it. But like you, I'm like all Taika all day, you know, all day. Um, So anything he's involved in, I'm about. But also it's just like very, very wholesome pirate humor, which is like not something we've necessarily seen before. Yep. Yeah, it's usually very macho, very uh, toxic, masculine. Right, we're all in Pirates of the Caribbean mindset right. after the last eight movies or whatever yeah, we're doing now. exactly. After the last, like, 12 years or more, we're like, this is the only brand of pirate there is, right? But yeah. they really right from the beginning told us no this is not that which is wonderful it it immediately had me go okay this is going to be different right from the very beginning 
them being like, it didn't go as planned, lets us know, oh, there's going to be shenanigans. So yeah, buckle your bootstraps up. You know? Right. I think just some lines that stand out in Frenchie's little ditty. I love smash and gouge and stab and poke. Like so silly because right. it's such a upbeat, goofy kind of tune. But he's like, no, like we still want to stab people. Right. We're still very... pirates, but we do it our way. Yes. And then pirate's life, short but nice, which is very true. You know, pirates did not live very long lives. It was a very risky uh, profession. After the song, we close in on our boys. They are playing cards on the deck. It is Black Pete played by Matthew Mayer. It's his turn. Um, He's taking too long. Alawande played by Samson Kayo um, is like, dude, like, just go. It's your attorney. Why are you always taking so long? And just on those two actors, those are two people who we've definitely seen in other things. But I'm so glad they have this these roles to like shine in, you know? Yes. Yes. And that's the thing about this show, too. It's such an ensemble show. Like everyone, I think, has their moments where they really get to, and some more than others, but they really get to establish like very clear characters all across the board. Right. And everyone has a quotable moment and everybody has uh, that story arc for themselves, right? Which is, oh, I can't wait to dive into some of the characters. I know. So Black Pete like basically throws a tantrum, which I think which um, sets up his character perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. He he's the guy that's like pushing for all the macho shit, but he's also at the same time being like a kind of a whiny little bitch about it. <laughs> like, you know, didn't sign up to play cards. He feels like he should have had 20 kills by now at least, which is like so they've they've been out there for weeks I was thinking about that line too because they have been out there for weeks and something that I do hope that they go into in season two I'm looking forward to more backstories for more of them because we don't get to see how all of them got recruited necessarily we got a little bit of information about um Alawande and and Jim Um, But that's pretty much it, really. We don't really know how anybody else kind of um, came to be on Steve's revenge. Black Pete is not satisfied with the pirate or lack of pirate atmosphere. They wrote down slow pirating, someone said they were doing. So Black Pete is not content with the slow pirating. (laughs) Frenchie. Yep, yep. Maybe Captain's trying a new kind of slow pirating. (laughs) So fucking funny. Shortly after that, we get Buttons, who's played by Ewan Bremner, who is like iconic, yeah. train spotting, the most gorgeous, thick accent, telling everyone to get on their feet for their captain. And it is just so good because you're like, what is this person we're about to meet? And then he dives into his whole speech about the raid they're gonna do and pumping it up and going through every scenario of what could happen I wrote down when he says some people who come back will be mentally devastated by what they witnessed 
Uh, so he's really he's really blowing hot air into this. I want to comment on his attire immediately. I mean, I think that everything that Steed wears throughout is just gorgeous and flamboyant, really gay. Like, like you look at this man and you're like, this cannot not be a very queer man. Like, you have this turquoise ruffled. It's it's pirate style, but it is steed. And I think that that is kind of just his whole thing, right? He he loves clothes. He loves fabrics. He loves the sensible things in life. He likes books. He likes fabrics. I think there's something to be said for a lot of the fandom theorizing about um, Steed being on the spectrum. I think that that's super valid. He clearly has um, very specific special interests and has some meltdowns and gets kind of overwhelmed. And what happens when you have enough money and you have enough privilege to decide, I'm going to make my special interest my new life? And like, how that doesn't always always go as you think it's going to (laughs) go. So we have this whole bit where uh, Steve, you know, we do the whole, you know, some might be mentally devastated what they just witnessed. And if that's the case, what do we do? (laughs) And the crew is kind of, it's, it's like very almost kindergarten teacher talking to the class in a lot of ways. Sometimes Frenchie says we bottle it up. Which which is the opposite. And he's like, no, don't you remember the rhyme? So it even is more like that kindergarten thing where they're teaching you the golden rule. Yep. Talk it through as a crew. It's just really sweet. It it again, you know, I think that this episode is such a perfect pilot where it very intentionally but naturally sets up the tone that's going to carry us throughout the whole season. Steed is someone who clearly has uh, probably a very romanticized ideal of what pirating is like but he he's a sweet guy and he like doesn't want to treat these people poorly which I think is really interesting since he's like clearly very well read and and probably read a bunch of pirating books and knows that like that's not normal um but that's his whole shtick he feels like it should be normal to like treat your crew well no, for sure. He does talk about that later, how when there's when the mutiny starts coming up where he's like, I pay them a salary, I feed them. Like, what else could I do? I'm supportive. Yep. So he's really he wants to be one of those classic pirates, but in his own way. Right. He's like, I'm going to do it right. They pan out before the raid so we can see the full boat. Its name is the Revenge, which is just a very classic. Like, what will I name my pirate ship name? I'm sure. I'm like, who was he taking revenge on? (laughs) So this was the actual name of like real life Steve Bonnet's Mm. uh, ship, um, which is, and, and you know, I don't think we should spend a whole ton of time talking about the real people because that's not who we're dealing with in this show, obviously. However, it is interesting the things that they retained from real life and this is one of them and I think it's interesting to point out that like the other famous revenge is Blackbeard's Queen Anne's revenge like obviously Steed is very 
I think, aware of Blackbeard and maybe even um, named the ship as an homage to Blackbeard's revenge. But separately, it's kind of like, what were you thinking there, buddy? You didn't think anyone would notice? <laughs> but anyways, this raid is exactly what we needed it to be. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> this raid is less of a raid and more like... Um, almost like a Monty Python sketch. It's just the tiniest little fisherman's boat. Um, They help him off and on his own ship. (laughs) He he tries so hard to make it like real and a big deal, like, like really laying it on thick, like, ahoy, surrender, you have no chance of escape. (laughs) And and, like dropping that single cannonball in the water. (laughs) That was a warning shot. It's so ridiculous. That was also our only cannonball. <laughs> right. Prepare to be boarded, curs. Like, it's just so absurd. I also had to look up what a cur is. Um, it's it's an aggressive dog oh. or, like, like, one that's in poor condition. Right. So it's an insult without actually saying anything right. too insulting. Right. It's like, I guess it's a fancier way of like calling someone a dog, which was like very common pirate slang. I thought it was a very good showing of how seriously Steed treats pirating, even though he's Mm -hmm. going about it ridiculously. Oh, yeah. I mean, like he has, he has the character down. Right. Right. Because he's such a theater nerd, I think, too. If he was auditioning for like a play that that involved pirates, he would be great. You know, <laughs> like he he knows how to be a um a character of a pirate. I, I wrote this down later in the episode, but I think that this episode just shows that Steed should have been a community theater director. <laughs> oh yeah, he just wants to put on a production. Yeah, uh, of being a pirate. Yeah, like this is an immersive pirate experience for people who don't really want to do any of the dangerous things pirates do. 100%. Yeah, if he if he were around today, he would be like great as like some kind of theme park attendant. Yeah, there's pirate dinner shows in Orlando that he would absolutely thrive at. He would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, Catherine and I uh, lived in Orlando for a long time. Uh, We did, but we met on Tumblr. We did. We we met on Tumblr and we've been in love ever since. Yes. (laughs) I want to just, there's so much to say about this particular scene, which is so short, but there's so much to say. I think it's really funny watching this scene and knowing that Reese Darby is actually in great shape. And he was like in the New Zealand army as like a Morse code signaler. So like, like he talked about in a couple interviews, how it was kind of hard to be incompetent at like climbing a rope ladder. And like, Most, What a good actor. He is. Oh yeah. He's amazing because he actually really knows what he's doing. Steve's like looking around the boat for like something to s- make this raid a raid, I guess. Something he opens up their thing of fish that they've caught, which granted is food. You can, that steed it's food but he thinks it's gross <laughs> he's like oh <laughs> and it's the plant it's ultimately like you said it's this little pathetic looking plant that he can nurture though <laughs> absolutely again 
so gay of him. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so freaking gay of him to decide this is it. Aha! I'm going to be a daddy now. Right? <laughs> I did, like, when they were leaving and the fisherman said, take care of the plants. Yep, yep, love and then that. And on the boat said, good luck with your fishing. <laughs> yep. Such a, what a polite raid. <laughs> Cordial separation yep. <laughs> after a raid, you know? Yeah, I like, I like too that like when Steed finally gets back on the revenge, he's like, yes, tell them what happened here. It's like, bag <laughs> <laughs> on our boat and uh, took our plant. Can you just imagine them like going back to like, the pubs and like explaining to their friends what happened god so funny i mean to be honest with like crazy stuff like that no wonder um steve did like gain infamy you know like he was known around the pirating circles so if he's pulling stuff like that no wonder it is just absolutely ridiculous i mean they made a tv show about him and we're now recapping that tv show so yep (laughs) <laughs> something to be said for steed exactly <laughs> yeah i mean steed is like so proud of this plant raid mm-hmm. when we get back into what is like steed's quarters um he places it so intentionally on like its own little doily and he says really fills the space doesn't it it's just it's very sweet he's so sweet. such a genuine guy <laughs> Our baby. We find out that like this voiceover that we've been hearing the whole time is is Steed kind of orating to Lucius, who is transcribing everything. I love all the physical stuff that Reese does in this scene. He does this thing where he like goes over to the couch and like whips his his uh his tails to his jacket to the side, crosses his legs real quick, and then gets up. Like, within a matter of, like, two seconds, yeah. he does this little move. It's so f- silly. Um, and he, like, moves over to his little, like, bed, um, which is, like, nestled in this window. And, like, I don't even understand why he's doing this. I mean, like, from from an audience perspective, of <laughs> course, we're, like, being shown his his uh, living quarters. Right, but you're also but- thinking, what was Steve's motivation? <laughs> Right. Like, why is he, like, showing us where he's sleeping? Like, why is he showing Lucius where he sleeps? Like, he, uh, you know, and it's how you see pirates be. They're showy. Yeah, they're always moving around. Captain Hook is always using the space. He's just a ridiculous man, and I just love him so much. He talks about his mission of wanting to change the idea of pirating, which we've already touched on a little bit, where he wants to do the pirating with none of the danger and actual violence. Yes. Another word that I was unfamiliar with, but he says, uh, piracy is a culture of abuse, floggings, keel hauling. I was like, what the fuck is keel hauling? <laughs> um, it's apparently a punishment or like even potential execution specifically for sailors where they're like tied to um, a line um, beneath the vessel, thrown overboard the side of the ship and like dragged under the ship's keel. I don't like that. I don't blame him for not wanting to do that. Yeah. That's awful. 
And then he kind of goes on to talk about like what he's doing differently, right? And like he's paying them all a wage every week, no matter what. I think it's funny that like he says that it took them a while to come around to that idea. Very telling of the kind of culture around piracy that all of these guys decided they were going to run away from whatever they're running away from, which is like typically why you would become a pirate. There's something to run away from. But they didn't want to take a wage. Well, like because I felt like it was in a different way where it's they want to be pirates to do the pirating, right? They're not necessarily doing it for wealth. Right. They're doing it for the thrill of doing the pirating. That's why we John always wants to set everyone on fire and yeah. Black Pete is always like, well, with Blackbeard, we used to kill right. 20 people a day. Like it's like that's their payment is like living the life. Right. Whereas Pete is thinking, oh well, if I pay them, then we don't necessarily have to do those things. We can right. just play pirate on the ship. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. I love that interpretation. He's basically paying people to be actors who don't know that they're actors in his play. God, yes. <laughs> I mean, I think I think we're remiss if we like don't talk about like the immense privilege of Steed. The fact that we'll we'll get to all the amenities that he talks about on the ship um in a second, but I want to skip to him talking about the library and you know saying to Lucius, like, you're all, you know, free to take any books anytime because that's like his love. He loves mm-hmm. books and he loves reading. And Lucius is like, well, I'm the only one who can read. And Steve can't believe it. He's like, that's not true. What? He's like almost disgusted by I don't know if he's I didn't read it as disgusted. I read it as confused because I okay. think Steve is just oblivious right like he knows that he's a privileged little boy because that's his trauma right true but at the same time he just sees everybody as people which is very nice but also naive right yeah so I think that's a lot of his story arc as well is seeing other people's perspectives and like figuring it out and who he wants to be yep Agreed. Okay, so amenities, which I really appreciated taking the notes for this section because there were a couple of them that happened so quickly that I actually don't think I even registered them. And I've watched this show. I don't even know how many times at this point, Catherine. The amenities part is one of my favorite parts of this episode because it's so silly. Um. So, like, the rec center is the first one he talks about, which is hysterical. They're, like, basically playing tennis or something tennis adjacent. Are they playing tennis or are they playing badminton? Badminton. Maybe (laughs) badminton. Um, With a fishing net, net, Mm -hmm. which is hilarious. I mean, what else? You know, that makes total, total fucking sense. Black Pete what is this fucking game (laughs) yeah he's he's just a sore loser i feel like that's what we're being told up front about black pete is he he wants to be the best and if he's not the best then it's not his fault it's the game's fault so Mm -hmm. yeah through the rec center i think it's the ensuite which is just ridiculous (laughs) 
<laughs> just um, Black Pete's on the toilet. Roach is in like a very small um, washing basin. Like, Lucius is just horrified. Like he's like, why are we here? Like, why did you have to take me here right. to talk about this? But also it's a very sweet thing to have. It's like, oh, an ensuite. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, toilets on ships like that were actually, like, totally unheard of to have, like, some kind of plumbing like that. Something that when he was having this boat built, he was like, oh, no, like, we need a toilet. Yes. (laughs) Um, Non-humans is one of the ones that I don't think I caught because it happened so quickly. Um, they're like standing in the hallway and Steed says non-humans and you hear some like sounds of animals and livestock, mm-hmm. which never fucking comes up again, which is really, I'm like, what happened to these animals, Steed? <laughs> like, what did y'all do? I think you know what they did. I know what they did. We don't have to talk about it. We don't have to talk about right. it. Two vegans talking about they just what happened to the on livestock. The it's Noah's heart. They're just the always there. the ballroom which is hilarious because it's a literal ballroom not like the dancing kind and and they're shining the the ball yep and it's like is this a necessary task for the swede to do like well they have to be good for when they get on the enemy's vessel of course he would never send over unpolished cannonballs how foolish what would they think of him as a pirate you're absolutely right jam room so good so good i do also like that they set up in this episode that you never know whether the music is going to be coming from the soundtrack or the people on the boat so in the bands that we have going on in the jam room we have frenchie on his mandolin we have Wee John with a ladle in a barrel. We have Aluande, who looks like he actually brought like a traditional like hand drum mm-hmm. with him of some kind, whatever his background is, which we don't really get too much. But like maybe this is something that he's had for a while, which is interesting. Black Pete <laughs> has two metal plates, it looks like, that he's just like clanging together. Roach is blowing into a bottle. The Swedes is, is interesting. It's just like this wooden circle it kind of looks like it was a tambourine but it has strings in it like it's it's really weird i'll never knock anyone's musical instruments in a band like this because Mm -hmm. lest i remind you when we were younger i don't know if you ever played one of those like wooden fish with the like ribs in it and you just you it's like yep yep i mean like playing around with stuff like that like this like they're doing is like how we came up with instruments right. in the first place all the ones that we have now I think the jam room also doubles as their like sleeping quarters you have like hammocks down there and stuff like that um so that's funny that like Steed kind of refers to it as like a separate amenity but it's like actually just like their bedroom right. <laughs> we already talked about the full library But it's worth, like, just briefly saying, like, it's extensive. You know, this this guy brought every single book he's ever owned onto this ship. It's, it's like, it's a full library. It's not just, like, a couple little shelves. It's reminiscent of the library from Beauty and the Beast. On a boat, yeah. Ooh, in this scenario, Steve would be (laughs) down. 
Are you casting them? <laughs> Steed would be Belle, I think. Right. Um, oh, but I'm like, then Belle though. starts out with the bunch of, with all the cups and saucers. I'm getting too involved in this. We'll come back to the crossover of Beauty and the Beast and our flag eventually. Back on deck, Steed makes like an official presentation of the raid winnings. Is it a presentation or is it a postmortem? <laughs> like I said, he's a theater director. Yep, you are so <laughs> right. Notes on their performance, including yep. his own. Yep, you're right. That's exactly what he goes on to do. He's, you know, pleased with the opening speech, feels that it went really well, but what they were lacking uh, was more energy. Yeah. <laughs> more swashbuckling, more looting. Let's have fun with it. God, we it's had our such next dress rehearsal. <laughs> right, right. Such a theater director um, mm -hmm, thing mm -hmm. to say. Um and of course, the first person to talk shit is Black Pete again. He feels that stealing a plant is hardly swashbuckling. We John tags on uh, with him. It's a fecking disgrace is what it is. And I just made a note here because this is the, this is the first time I think we hear Wee John's yeah. name. You can have a period piece without a big guy called Wee John, right? Right. That's always totally. the joke. And um, for everyone out there, uh, Wee John is also a Game of Thrones alum. It's Christian Karn. He played Hodor um, in oh, Game of Thrones. That's why I know Hodor. Um, That's actually how I knew one of my ex-boyfriends was a psychopath, because when he watched that scene, he didn't cry. Oh, yeah. No. I was like, <laughs> they had, to get rid up now. <laughs> had to get rid of that one. Yep. Steed immediately interjects um, into this... Uh, shit talking. He tries to act tough about it, but then when he realizes, you know, that he could not possibly physically overpower Weejon, Lucius even uh, gives him a little bit of a look like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> like, are you, are you really going to talk back to this guy? Right, this sets the stage for him very well to ask for suggestions. Yeah. Another real thing that you would do at a company. It's like without any suggestions for the for the business right. guys. Reframe wants wants him to reframe it as as a criticism or a suggestion. A reframe that criticism as a suggestion. And we John actually, I will say it's a constructive suggestion. Right. He feels that they don't even have a flag and any pirate worth a damn has a flag. And this brings us into I think my favorite scene of this episode. Oh, it's so good. It's so great. It is, again, a sort of um, kindergarten-esque kind yeah, of scene. We're doing art and craft, Alexa. Yeah. You don't have to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not no, judging. <laughs> Hopefully everyone's watched the scene. <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's exactly what it is, you know? They basically say, everybody create a flag who wants yep. to and will vote for the for the best one. Uh, yep. They all fight him on it because sewing is women's work. Uh, but he says, oh, 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 it can be hard work because Rose right. sewed his own arm back up. Right, right. Um, I love <laughs> Steed pushing back on the toxic masculinity norms. Mm -hmm. um, 
our, our sweet baby Steve. This portion from everything that I've heard from all the actors was like heavily um, improvisation. Steve goes around to Oluwande who says he's making a flag extender. <laughs> and it's Love literally- it. It's a little fluffer. <laughs> yeah, it, but it, it it's just like a crumpled up piece of gray yarn, but it, to him- to him, it's a flag extender. I and imagined that's... that it was something you would attach to a flag to make it longer than the flag usually. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just lovely. Um, he, like, says it's so it can flap, um, which is just pure. It's just so pure. We get Wee John, and we actually, like, almost get a little taste of Wee John backstory, yeah. which is exciting because Steed uh, – compliments him i think he said he says you look you look so holy because he he has this fabric like, a whole gown on. <laughs> draped over him it's so cute and he says i used to make dresses with my mother and steed says well now you're a pirate <laughs> and a uh, fun fact christian karn used to do drag and he actually learned how to like sew and like make his costumes from his mom and That's they used awesome. to like sew together and stuff like that we get a little more uh steed voiceover he says you know a lot of the guys are sweethearts deep down they're just dealing with a fair amount of trauma <clears throat> which is creative projects give them a chance to work through it which is exactly. very real steed is a fan of art therapy folks yeah. he he really believes in art as therapy and then inevitably with the arts and crafts hour with your kindergartners uh, steed has to break up a disagreement yeah. because uh roach and swede the swede wanted the same piece of fabric at the same time so he has to give them a little lecture about sharing but it's a little bit confusing because he does try to lead them a little bit and they're like what could you have done with your large piece of fabric and they're like talk it through <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's such a kindergartner thing to do too because it's something you just right, learned like, what's so the last thing you told me <laughs> which isn't incorrect either if they did talk about yeah. it maybe they could have come to the same thing but that's you true. know they're pirates they can't do that. So Steed leaves them to their flags. Um, but of course, Black. I do Pete, love this line where he's like, guess it's time to kill Captain. <laughs> yeah. Can't it, it can't just be a nice arts and crafts hour. Black Pete has to insert his his shit into it. I mean, he's consistent. Yes. I gotta. They gotta give him that. He wants to be a pirate and talks about yeah. his old school a lot, you know? Like at my old school, we used to kill 20 people a day. And to clarify, when I say his old school, I mean when he transferred <laughs> from Blackbeard's ship. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's exactly it. He is the student that was like I don't know like his parents like forced him to move and now he's at this new school yeah. and it's not as good as the old school right. no, for sure. um, we've all known that person oh yeah absolutely yeah. I also uh just noted that this is the first time Blackbeard is mentioned so they're all talking about mutiny buttons and his infinite uh lurkingness overhears this conversation and I like like any crew member should, he alerts his captain and he tells him, 
what's going on. Um, it's a funny little exchange because Lucius is taking down this whole conversation about mutiny, which Steed does not want in his memoirs. And they do that little bit where it's when someone's writing, you're like, stop. Don't write this. Stop. Don't write this. <laughs> in Lucius's defense, he does say, you know, you told me to record everything, warts and all. Um, and this is definitely a wart. But nevertheless, he tells Lucius to take a walk. And he joins the rest of the crew on deck. I don't want um, to skip past a very important part, though. Before <laughs> that exchange, when we're still with the rest of the crew and they're working, we get Frenchie introducing our namesake line. Cheers, my dears. Oh, yeah. No, I have Cheers, it. I have it here. Would never, ever dream of skipping that. Yeah, Frenchie, Frenchie is, like, unbothered by this mutiny conversation. He just wants to continue making his flag. and Which is of a cat. Because cats are witches. They've got knives in their feet. I just could not have any more love for Frenchie and his weird superstitions than, like, he is just so hilarious. Those little one-liners are some of my absolute favorites in the entire Throughout the entire series, and I'm just, I'm just here for all of them. I can't wait for new ones in season two because we know we know it's going to be a reoccurring theme. For uh, him. Also, another thing: the unicorn uh, carving on the front of the boat. Yes. Yeah. Oh, good call out. Yeah. Yes. I just—it's just amazing because, on the one hand, the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, but none of these people have anything to do with Scotland. <laughs> Right, right. I think is Button Scottish or is he like Northern England? Maybe, I'm not sure. But like, Steed very clearly isn't. So why would that right. be the front of the boat that he does? And I mean, the only logical explanation is gay. I mean, <laughs> gay. Um, it's beautiful. I'm here for too. It. It's, it's it's so good. Gorgeous. But also, I like to think about: Can you imagine? that being commissioned and the people who actually were uh building his ship being asked to carve this we'll unicorn obviously get helm. it to it later but i think his original intention was for some of it to be an homage to his wife so yeah I, I, yes we'll get into this later but i think very clearly that he originally thought when he started commissioning this boat that his whole family was going to join him on this adventure, which is kind of sad. Why I bring that up now is that it's kind of like when you go to a bar with a guy and the guy is like, can you order me a cosmopolitan? And you're like, can you order yourself your own drink? Thank you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Witches, they have knives on their feet. Fair. Um, it's honestly fair. It's actually the less weird superstition of Frenchies. I mean, like cats do well, have knives have in their feet. Very sharp claws in their feet <laughs> that can slice you like a knife. Um, right. Cat Honor will tell you. Pete would like everyone to refocus onto the mutiny. Wee John says he's in as long as he can light some shit on fire, light the captain on fire. But they start to wonder who would be the captain if they kill the captain, which is a very good question. They're thinking. Obviously, Black Pete thinks it's 
it's going to be him. But Swede points out, uh, is it Swede? Someone. Someone someone points out that maybe Jim would be a good fit. Um, but then Black Pete immediately is like, Jim's a mute. That would be problematic. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Which, ableist. I mean, ableist, but... Jim also doesn't really seem to want responsibility. Hell no. I mean, that's, I think that's Olu's uh, response is Jim isn't into politics. In an attempt to counteract this mutiny, Steed and Buttons have decided that they're going to find a a real ship, a real ship to raid. Um, They've spotted one on the horizon that looks sizable to buttons buttons feels that that it's it's rather impressive oh i can't skip over i hope this was there's something i wanted you to go back for so i'm hoping (laughs) olu actually doesn't really have a problem with the captain and one of the biggest reasons that he brings up is that steed reads and he does the voices that's the most and he does the voices. He's reading uh, Pinocchio to them, and he does uh, the wooden doll voice. Sweet is like, yeah, but like Lucius can read too. And Lucius, who's joined them and said he's in on the raid, is now being put in a position to basically audition for the role of the wooden right. boy. <laughs> yeah, no. They essentially just... want him to voice match for Steed. Um, and Lucius yeah. is not, he's not uh, trained. He's like, I'm a little wooden boy and my legs are sticks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wee John is not impressed. He's like the most disappointed. He's like, that was horrible. Right. Um, so that that is not a viable solution to making up for Captain uh, reading to them. And like, they'll never know what happens because they can't read. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, they have to they have to keep someone around who's a capable of reading it and b can sufficiently do right. voices. Um, but anyways, Buttons and Steed come in and they're telling them about the ship. <laughs> Everybody's very skeptical. <laughs> Roach needs Buttons to confirm that um, the boat is actually real that it's actually a real ship buttons does confirm and that kind of makes everyone a little bit like oh okay all right yeah let's let's do this steed even tells we john that he can light things on fire he'd be disappointed if he didn't (laughs) that's very exciting for we john that's enough for him so we start getting ready for battle we get another frenchy song which is lovely it's very morbid and i'm like what a funny tune to play to to pump everyone up for the big raid like we're all probably gonna die but (laughs) (laughs) buttons is trying to like kind of chat with uh steed as everybody else is Essentially getting ready, getting getting all their weapons ready, (laughs) practicing smashing heads that are actually watermelons. And and Sweet Steed is like seeing them being kind of violent already. And he's like, Mr. Buttons, do you think it's going to like actually get that bloody? (laughs) Buttons says raids are like snowflakes. Uh, and Steed says, no two quite alike. And he says, they almost always end in terrible bloodshed. Actually, Snowflake might not have been the best comparison. Buttons puts in these terrifying looking. 
terrifying metal thing out of nowhere because- he's like i'm getting too old for hand to hand Yep, yep, it's so fucking funny. And Steed really starts to process what he's gotten himself into. Um, You know, like we've kind of been talking about so far, he really just hadn't considered um, that actual rating would include some violent bloodshed. Um, he's having just- a little panic. He's having a little spiral. Oh, oh honey. He to his quarters to put on his robe. <laughs> There's this uh, very ridiculous, like, feral montage of the crew um, (laughs) slopping paint on their faces. Getting ready for war, basically. Right. Right. Um, And we get our first Steed flashback Mm -hmm. because this is invoking Steed's trauma. I have thoughts on this. Uh, So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll... I'll set it up and I'll I'll do a little rank on on my thoughts on the scene. So we have Steed's father, who's played by uh, the wonderful Boris McIver. Most recently, I've seen him in Servant. He's just like really, really good at his Mm -hmm. craft. Um, And he chops off the head of the chicken, which is very upsetting. Like blood on sweet little baby Steed's face. Um, Father Bonnet like forces him to look at it. Like he he turns away um and he is forced to look at this. Um let's pause for thoughts. I I just I these are my thoughts, right? If you are someone who butchers your own chickens, but you're <laughs> also a wealthy man. Mm-hmm. And you know that when you butcher a chicken, you're gonna get blood spatter on you. Why wouldn't mm-hmm. you wear a face covering or like change out of your fancy clothes? This guy is a psychopath because also <laughs> if you were a fancy man like that who spent a lot of money on your clothes and your son's clothes, you wouldn't let them get spattered and like stained with animal blood. But he he is a psychopath. Like he's such a um conundrum. He he wants to, he wants Steve to understand how freaking privileged he is, but also it's it's not it's not like the he- like like I think it's healthy when you come from money to explain to your children that you come from money and that you are privileged and and you know explain to them that privilege, but he's doing it in a way that's intrinsically connected to toxic masculinity like it's it's all about the fact that he sees steed as weak already as like a child you know you know that has followed us into 2023 culture where yeah we're still getting away from men being like oh little boys who don't like right sports and cutting chickens heads off the next portion of this is just father bonnet walking little baby steed out into the fields and saying like basically like a fucked up version of the lion king yeah. look at our land this is our land it will soon be your land but you don't fucking deserve <laughs> baby bonnet right you yeah you don't deserve it um you're a weak-hearted soft-handed lily-livered little rich boy and that's all you'll ever be you know things you say to your kids right <laughs> Normal, normal, normal father bond, son bonding things, you know. And Steed kind of comes to from this recollection. We're back in his 
room. Um, I think this is really cute and silly and funny because I guess Buttons has grown concerned about Steed and has sent Olu and Jim to check on him. (laughs) So Olu opens the door and the first thing he says is, why are you in your pajamas? (laughs) Because Steed is wearing this like long, lavish gold robe. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It does look like a house coat. It does. It it definitely does. But apparently it is a battle jacket. Because he says, I find the feel of silk very invigorating. <laughs> what a weird, if I had I to mean, describe this feel of silk, I wouldn't say invigorating. I mean, this is Steve's whole personality, right? right? Yeah. It's, he's the clothes. It's all about the clothes. Steed is immediately kind of like, oh, I'm glad you're here because I would really like you guys to very quickly before the the raid refresh just remind me. me. Just give me how to fight. Sure. Like hand to hand. Those of us who might not remember how to do it. <laughs> and you know, Jim, there's not a lot to say about Jim in this episode. Um there, you know, is a big reveal of Jim at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do get a little bit of Jim is very skilled with a knife. Um, yeah. They very quickly run through some some fast. It's kind of funny because as Jim is throwing around their knife, Alu's like, that's a kill, that's a kill, that's yeah. a kill. <laughs> Which is not what Steed wants. Steed has no intention of killing anyone. Um, that is not his bag. So he um, wants more so of a stun move. Right. So they kind of show him how to knock someone out by hitting them on the back of the head with something heavy, mm-hmm. um, which is important for later. Steed is clearly very anxious. Um, he asks them both to sit down on the couch beside him, just so awkward. Where he's like, here, sit next to me. <laughs> yes, please, please sit next to me. Olu kind of starts to convince Steed that this is not for him, that, that, you know, me and Jim, we did this because we don't really have any other choice. And, um, you're just not cut out for this. And Steve is really fighting, fighting it. He's like, some of us thrive on it, on danger. It's like, baby, (laughs) come on. You're not the day that Paulo is talking about, you know, but but Steed does start to really take it in. Um, I think when Olu really starts to talk explicitly about killing, meltdown, complete meltdown from Steed. I'm a, I'm not a pirate. I'm an idiot. Just absolute full on meltdown. Oh. Poor guy. Anyways, the boat rhymes. Yes, we hear we hear cannon fire buttons. Says it, it was a, a warning shot um, from the ship that they've been tailing, which turns yeah. out to be a massive British Navy warship. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. They'll take it down fine, right? <laughs> right. The British do fire on them again, and they do hit their mast. I need to. I need to brush up on my like ship parts. Uh, while we're doing this podcast. I wish I could be more helpful because we took a whole we did a whole unit in middle school on ships and their parts. I know we did too. Yeah. Uh, too we long ago. We're too old information that you'll use a lot later in life. 
<laughs> right. We zoom over to the British ship where they're deciding what to do. We meet uh, Captain Badminton. Rory Kinnear. Who will come into greater play. Uh, they... Someone describes Steed as a heavy set woman in a silk dressing gown. Uh, seeing him through the eyeglasses, what's making them hesitant to think that this is a pirate ship? Captain Badminton wants to see for himself and recognizes Steed right away. I like when he calls for the the spyglass and he says, "I." <laughs> like, <laughs> and they cover one of his eyes. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like, all right. This is what? so ridiculous. Yeah. I, I think it's also worth mentioning, um, and I think this is very intentional. Like the British are very um shitty. So like yeah. we have we have this comment about a heavy said woman in a silk dressing gown. We're already setting up that these guys are like fat phobic, um, which comes into play with um badminton yeah. like a lot later. Um very fat phobic, very misogynistic. Um, like they're like shitheads. Um they're racist. We're not, we're not saying that about British people. We're just saying that's how no, no, no. British <laughs> are portrayed in this show in this yeah. um in particular the the royal navy so um they send over a tender to alert steed um that badminton recognizes him apologizes for firing on him and would like to board their vessel for tea um to which everyone says please steed no like do not do this um i kind of think if i were in this situation i would probably acquiesce too because it's like what do you do like like how do you get out of this if you say no they're just gonna kill you so right. i i feel like that this really was the only way to get out of this or to have a hope of getting out of this is right to- which is it's kind of the first look we have, and we do explore this later in the season, on how Steed understands how this other half, yeah, how interacting with the other half works more yeah. than he understands how interacting with pirates work. But that mm-hmm. hasn't been set up yet too right. much, so it seems a little out of character for him yeah. to be making the correct choice in this situation. Totally. But yeah, choice, like the better of two evil choices, you know? No, you're absolutely right. Because the majority of the time when he does have some wins, which I know a lot of people maybe just tuning in might find this surprising, but Steve does have wins. And when he does win, it's because he has this insight into um, how how the other half live and how how the proper folk live. Um, So he asked them to give them a few minutes to tidy up, <laughs> um, which is hilarious. He it's brings like your parents are coming, right? And you're like, oh, I'm just you're coming from the train station now. I better clean yeah. my whole apartment, <laughs> right? Um, this is another like very theater um, kind of bit where he brings all of them into his room and and dresses them in his and gives clothing. them backstories and characters yes. to play. Yep, it's so good. It's so theater, um, so queer. Um, 
Steed uh, also drops the little tidbit to them that he he knows badminton from boarding school. He hasn't seen him since they were 15, though. So they've been like in the same circle, but they really haven't interacted with one another since they were boys. We're at the table. Um, we're at the table with the Brits. Um, it is so uncomfortable. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously comedic uh, to see um, all of the white people. I think it's very important to note that all of the white crew members are playing the part of um, royals who who are hanging out with steed on his boat (laughs) like we just decided to right be on this crappy boat (laughs) right and then you have um all the black and brown people are serving i know (laughs) that the brits are assuming that they're steed slaves Mm -hmm. um because we're in 1717 we get you know we do get that little taste of racism from the brits um wellington says, you know, the tea is horrible. It's clearly been made by savages, um, to which Olu gives a very exasperated facial expression. We do have, and this took me a couple of watches to find him, but uh, David Jenkins, the writer of this episode and the showrunner is actually in this scene playing one of the British. Um, he's to the right of Wellington. He gives out a very lovely scream later in the scene. <laughs> Badman is already, be- he's being a fucking asshole. Like he yeah. he is um, totally infantilizing Steed, um, calling him his, you know, school nickname, Baby Bonnet, and talking about the, you know, telling embarrassing stories about how they bullied him and how they got away with bullying him. Yeah, how they hazed him. And- right. Steed is basically like, yeah, I didn't see you doing it to anyone else. Right, right. And we do get another little flashback um, where the (sighs) little Steed is like smelling flowers and like picking flowers and they just rush him, man. They just rush him and chase him, calling him baby bonnet. Steed, um... It's worth a chuckle because it is physical comedy and funny, but he like runs into a tree like and they tie him to a rowboat. It's sad. Um, It's really freaking sad. Anybody who has ever been bullied, you know, you have to uh, feel for him in this moment of having to relive this in front of his crew who he's desperately trying to to uh, gain their respect. It's God, I hate I hate Badman so much. Yeah, I think they're very quick about setting up who we hate. Yeah. And who's sad we're on. They like made him French kiss a horse at one point. Like, God, like just the fucking worst. Also the logistics of that. Yeah. Like no, terrible. He'd still have a tongue. Badminton uh, insults the ship at first, calls it efficient and tiny, but then demands a tour. Mm-hmm. Steve takes him into his captain's quarters. Um, Badminton's the most passive aggressive, continuing to just yeah. really be a dickhead. We get a little flash when he asks about the books. Don't all the books fall out during a storm? <laughs> And yeah. flashes to Steed trying to hold all the books in during a storm. I love it. I There's love not any more explanation given for it, but it's right. 
it's one of those things where like an improv, we would be like, cut to that moment, cut back. And it's, it's just the perfect amount of comedy for it. We get Badman telling him that there are rumors about him back home. Um, people are talking about the fact that he left his family, uh, you know, uprooted his comfortable life to become a pirate. Um, we get a really quick um, flashback um, of him with his family um, having a portrait done. And, and we're literally having the picture being painted of what Steed's I should say what Steed's impression of his life back home is, um, which is very removed. He felt like an outsider right. um, to his family. He really felt like he didn't belong because you have um, you have Steed literally having his arm. It's he's like arm length away from the rest of his family in this portrait. And they also show that scene of him with them at dinner where he's obviously at one end of a long table and his wife and two kids are at the other end having a conversation and he when he tries to interject they just kind of look at him like did you guys hear anything why are you trying to talk to us it's a very sad setup for our first insight into his home life it's really sad back at the dining area did I miss anything? I don't think so. Right. Oh, wait, real quick. Have to mention badminton laughs when Steed confirms that it's true that he did, um, in fact, do that. Um, and Steed eyes this paperweight, this uh, whale <laughs> paperweight on his desk. Um, oh, because earlier when he was getting the hand-to-hand refresher with Jim and Olu, right. he asked, does it have to be a sword or can it be something heavy? Yeah. And it makes it any heavy implement that will get the job done. So you can just see in his mind that he's being pushed to his breaking point, but he's still, he's like, I only need to stun him. Back at the table, um, the British have found their flags. Yeah. <laughs> the first one that they find. I think it's a skeleton eating another skeleton. Yes. And that is Black Pete's because he immediately defends it. Yeah. Um and then um, I guess it's Swedes, which is the skeleton holding its own head. And they just, you know, they think they think this is a riot, even though uh, they tell them that they took them, they stole them from the pirates that they killed. <laughs> I mean, wh- how else? How else are you going to explain Wait, how that? How else you explain the flag? And then they do it to Frenchies, which is the cat. And we get the gem that is cats are evil because they steal children's breath. Um, and this is when the pleasantries that have been going on on the ship turn from bad to worse yeah. because um, in the British's mind, Frenchie is one of the help and they react very rudely to him. Oh, yeah. Opinion. He says, uh, Wellington says, enough interruptions, slave, which um, I wrote, Jim does not like this. Um, <laughs> does not like this. Jim does not like this. Um, they throw a knife into Wellington's hand. Um, and from there, all hell ensues. Um, <laughs> I, I was very deliberate with my notes here because there's so much happening and I wanted to get each little thing. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. So this is the order in which everything happens. Lucius passes out. 
Frenchie. Lucia says I've been having a slow anxiety attack. Yeah. <laughs> They've been like raiding these flags. You could just see Lucia's face yeah. that he's like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> Which is like, I I can really appreciate um this moment forward for Lucius and like when Nathan Fode kind of talks about his character, he says that he really felt like he kind of didn't really fucking know where he was going with the character until like, like a couple episodes from now. But I would actually argue that really this scene is where we kind of see Lucius for who he is, which is also kind of misplaced in, in this crew, right? Like it's not just Steve. Like I think Lucius has absolutely no intention of getting violent. Like that's not, that's not him. Um, so yeah, he passes out immediately (laughs) at the sight of the hand being, uh, stabbed. Frenchie points and laughs, which (laughs) is also, is on brand yeah um alawande pours hot tea onto um it's actually david jenkins um roach comes out with a knife screaming (laughs) like um buttons has his fangs on and a knife to wellington's throat we john who um it's so funny because I remember watching this scene for the first time and not even clocking that Wee John wasn't there, which is hilarious because he's such a a huge man. Um, but he was not there and he burst down the door, um, which is I, I don't know if it was a hoder wink or what, but that's how I receive it. <laughs> um, uh, Black Pete, <laughs> which is my favorite moment of his so far, I think just screams fuck it. And like whips out the gun that he's had underneath the table, pointing at the British the whole time. Um, and then finally, um, Lucius is awake again and just screaming (laughs) from Steed's captain's quarters. Um, badminton hears the gunshot from black Pete's gun. (laughs) Steed says, wait, it'll blow over. (laughs) Because badminton, he's he's in the navy, like he thinks they're under attack. Right, which I he's think, ready. He thinks right. everybody collectively is under attack. <laughs> well, and I think I think it's, I think it makes total sense because he would he wouldn't think that they would ever be capable, despite what he knows about this whole thing with Steed. Like he would never think that he was capable of actually overtaking them. Well, I think that it also plays into the fact that, like we said. I think what Seed intended to do was hire actors <laughs> to be his pirate crew and play pilot. Yeah. So that might be what Badman assumes. He, right. There's no way Seed could be affiliated with real pirates. They would murder him, right? It's, oh, us and these actors that Seed has with him are under attack. <laughs> Badman tells him he's a coward for thinking that it'll blow over and not wanting to like immediately rush out there and, and yeah. help everyone. He calls him pathetic which um really um strikes a chord in him and his trauma um and he hits him over the head with that whale paperweight um and at first we don't exactly know what happened except for the fact that there is a sound that that he definitely fell on his sword that was unsheathed um to some degree um but we don't know until steve 
calls out to them in the middle of this battle. I will. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. I something in my room. <laughs> yeah. I love um, two things. I love that by the time this happens, actually, the fucking crew got it done. Like, they've already pretty much either killed everyone or, like, tied them up to some degree. Like, they took care of it, which I think good on them. Pretty right. awesome. Yeah. Um, I know they don't think of themselves as capable, but, like, this was the first time that they really had to, like, defend the ship and defend them- themselves, and they did it. So I think that's awesome. I mean, um, I think it's important to distinguish that I think individually all of those people believe themselves capable. Yeah. But as a unit, they recognize that they don't have very strong leadership. We do also want to subject, just before we dive into what is happening with Steed and Badman, uh, I really loved that it only became fighting when one of their own was being abused by the British, right? So it shows that they actually do care about each other as a crew outside of their own little clicks or pairings off, even if they don't really know it yet. I love that the two people, I mean, obviously it was going to be all in one day, but I, I love that it was Lucius because Lucius was like, I need to get out of here. (laughs) Like I'll, I'll get me away from the fighting and the gore. And of course walked right into (laughs) more. Yes. Murder. Um, so we see badminton dead on the floor with the sword through his head, through his eye, yeah. which is, whew, what, what a, uh, horrible accident. <laughs> if you gotta go out, go out in style, I guess. He so fucking deserved it. I mean, right. um, I think we skipped, like, there's this moment where he also tries to fat shame Steed. He, like, says that he was a plumper when he was a kid. Like, he yeah, and he's like, I, no, I was pretty slender. And he's like, nope, you were nope. a plumper. But in the flashback, we saw him. He looked fine. Definitely, <laughs> definitely slim. Yes. Piece of shit, you know, like he he is a yeah. trash person. So right. I feel um fine with this. Yeah. I I'm side here. Yeah. Um Steed is obviously panicking, and Olu, the constant voice of reason throughout the entire season, is like, listen, like, well, first of all, he asks him if he wants to live. And Steed's response is, I think so, probably, which is that's a no. tough question. We're all relating to Steed right now because we yeah. ask ourselves, do you want to live? And you're like, I, I'm pretty sure. There's a lot of nuance there. Do you have time? <laughs> Can we dive into this later in separate sessions? Right. Um, so I love that. Um, but, you know, Olu says, if you want the respect of your crew, you did this on purpose um this this happened on purpose so um when we go back on deck with the body in hand steed says i did this on purpose on purpose (laughs) a very clear ellipses in the middle of that um the crew is fucking pleased like uh swede is like stabbed him in the head with (laughs) stabbed him right in the face (laughs) um we john is like respect (laughs) um 
they're very, very pleasantly surprised um, yeah. with that plot twist. Discussing what to do next, Steed um, instructs them to take the remaining British hostage, um, which they gleefully do. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you if you want to do co-captain awards now. This might be a good good time to nominate. Okay, that's fine. Co-captains. Co-captain of the episode, I want to... <laughs> there was no clear, like, because we're getting to know everyone and their their thing together. So I went with Steed and Alwande because Alwande sets Steed on a path to be, like, set up for success. First trying to, like, talk him out of the raid and, like, everything. And then later he's like, okay, well, now we're here and all we can do is move forward and this is the best bet for you right yeah um, and he wants the things to work out even if it's only for another day because they might mm-hmm. kill him tomorrow you know so i i nominate steed and alu that's so practical i went kind of abstract and you're free to like come up with more abstract ones because i'm with you like this first episode there aren't like a lot of like actual pairings so <laughs> I have a few abstract ones, Steed and Plant. Um, a good one. <laughs> and Frenchie and Cats. Um, Frenchie and Cats is a great one. So um, to everyone out there listening, we will put these um, nominations in a poll on Twitter and you can vote for the one that you think should be. What's our Twitter our- handle? It is at Cheers McQueers PC, as in podcast. Um, I think I'll you shorten it. <laughs> yeah, because Twitter doesn't let you be too long with your handles, which mm-hmm. is fair. Um, yes, participate. Yes, 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 yes. Cool. Back into the episode. <laughs> the episode. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the crew is very, um, impressed with the captain. We have Wee John, you know, saying, do you, do you know how hard it is to drive a sword through someone's skull? Roach is like, it's always the quiet ones. Like they're just very pleased and willing to like give it one more day before they actually kill him and, and mutiny. We can wait another day. Yeah. Um, you have this kind of like. Um, very quaint moment between Olu and Lucius, um, where Lucius is like, you know, he's a terrible captain and Olu's like, yeah, but like with him, we're going to get paid and fed and like, we don't even have to work too hard and we'll be dead soon. So we might as well enjoy it while it lasts. And would you rather be captain by one of the British, you know, like, would you rather be captain by one of them? And Lucius clearly does not want that and agrees. Steed is very introspective. Um, he is alone. Um, he's having a meltdown. Yeah. It's really what it is. And I think this is a theme. He, he clearly has PTSD. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that is not born from this episode. I think it's born from his childhood with his father. That Oh, yeah. That's what triggers his big, like, moments throughout the entire 
season where it's yeah. like he's finally making some progress and then something happens yeah um, that pulls him back into his trauma you know yeah and I mean this was certainly on like several different fronts like you have him facing someone from his childhood and killing someone from yeah. his childhood whether intentional or not you know I mean it's 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 a metaphor and it's literal. Like it's, it's so, um, essential. I think, I think he doesn't realize how essential it is to his healing quite yet. Um, because I think a lot of growth often is painful at first. You have Mm -hmm. to kind of go through the growing pains of it all. And I think that's what he's feeling. Um, and we get, we get a little flashback again, a little, um, family bonnet flashback again and it's different this time which I think is such a cool artistic choice um from Taika and um and David um to have Steed now at the dinner table with his family and he's close and he's laughing with them and seemingly like enjoying his time with his family which is to say like he loved his family he loved his kids. I think he loved Mary, his wife, to an extent, not the way that he should have as a husband, I think, but but I don't think that he didn't care for her. And so now embarking on this new point in his life is scary. Like, like that's – everyone can relate to that. Well, this is going to be a – interesting thing to examine throughout this series because I was wondering whether that was a real flashback or not or whether it was how he's choosing to remember it right because right before that flashback he says my family is here now at sea right um I kind of saw it as I wasn't able to be the kind of father I wanted to be and the kind of like head of household I wanted to be on land so now he's doing it for his crew where he's being supportive and he's reading them bedtime stories and he's trying to put on productions for them, you know? Um, And it's also something to think about as like leaving his life behind and a family that he had and the life he thought he wanted or a life at sea where that's a very, it's very close to like someone who comes out later in life and already has like a full family and everything that you have to reckon with leaving behind and everything. So, yeah. And I, I love, I love that, that point too, to tie into, you know, the theme of the show, I think really at the heart of it is found family. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is so necessary in particular for queer people. I think most queer people feel like they have to develop this found family because they're, they're, hello doggies. Um, <laughs> they're, um, I'm poking his head up in the background and I was like, don't say anything. <laughs> their, um, their blood relatives were, um, not accepting of them for who they are. So building that found family who really accepts you for who you are is so essential. Well, it's also not even your blood family accepting you. It's just having a blueprint for accepting yourself because 
I, people around me, a lot of queer people I know who are still coming into figuring out who they are and what they're about are, didn't have anything to base it on around themselves until they met a certain friend group or whatever. So it's so important to have, um, not just a queer community to be a part of, but like a supportive queer community. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause otherwise it's, it's a nightmare out here, guys. (laughs) Hell yeah. Um, Real quick, and then we'll wrap up. I also think it's interesting to look at those family flashbacks a little bit because I'm with you. It's hard to tell which one is the real one, right? Because I think it could go either way. I think it could be that Steed was sort of making his home life out to be worse than it actually was Mm -hmm. so that he could live with the fact that he left them in the wake the way that he left them. Um, but I think, I think it could also be the, um, the happy one is the lie too, because he has to remember it that way. Right. Um, I, I think it could go either way. I think it's such an interesting, subtle artistic choice that like, you don't really see in a comedy, you know, like, and I love my comedies with, with a little bit of with that dose of with that dose of reality yeah love it love 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 it um so to to wrap up um real quick about him reading pinocchio um (laughs) we john just sobbing stupid puppet pulled it off (laughs) like it's just so amazing um what an amazing choice um, and then our real like end end to this episode, which is so cool, um, is Jim's reveal. Jim, who really looked like this kind of like grubby dude with this like sort of bulbous nose and this beard who's a mute, actually reveals themselves to be not that. Yeah. Um and uh, we see the beard and the the fake nose. Great fake nose, by right. the way. Great I fake nose. Studied like costumes and stuff in school and had to make noses like that. Very very good. Very <laughs> good work costume department. <laughs> great fake nose. Um, so Jim um, is uh, is revealed. We don't really know. All we know is that they're not mute. Um, Olu delivers them food um, and they're speaking Spanish to one another. So um, that's kind of the end. We have like a little bit of the crew like falling asleep. We see, I think this is the first time we see Carl. Carl is not named, but we Mm -hmm. see Carl, um, the seagull on buttons for the first time. I mean, that's um, definitely, they're definitely on my duo lists on upcoming episodes. <laughs> yep. Um, and, uh, then we just see that, that our, um, our arts and crafts flags are flying. And, um, this was another thing I, I wrote down because in, in relation to him 
having his found family. It's kind of his version of putting their artwork up on the refrigerator. Oh my god, yeah. Because he puts everybody's up. He doesn't want to choose a favorite. Yep. It's it's so it's sweet. sweet. I also oh. like that none of those flags got damaged. Yeah. Our little daddy Steve. Just so so proud of his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that wraps up episode one of season one of Cheers McQueers. Cheers, McQueers. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I've always longed for adventure, I guess you could say A lover of delicate things, and I like it that way My father once told me I never amount to much So I'm proving him wrong as a pirate with a delicate touch Got so much to prove to my crew, I'm afraid they won't see. Pirates don't have to be violent, I hope they'll agree. Mutinies brewing, come on, Steed, better show them your tongue. You'll treat them like family, God, I hope that's enough.